Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are pleased and humble and grateful that you can be with us today. And we hope that you will, as always, extract some value from the time we spend here together especially because of today's topic, which is of tremendous practical application, especially for those of us who from time to time have to cope with feelings of defeat, with feelings of being drained, of of being at the end of our rope, um, running on empty, as it were. We just lack the energy to continue on, the enthusiasm. At times, we have tremendous energy and tremendous enthusiasm for the work. We have inspiration and the fire within burning bright. And that fire, that energy permeates us and makes us glow. That energy flows from a seemingly unlimited source within us. We apply it into all that we do for the benefit of others. And indeed, for the work, the application of the super efforts which we have to do on any authentic spiritual path, because that journey is uphill. The spiritual journey is always one of effort. It's always one of facing challenges and obstacles. And the greatest challenges and obstacles we face are within. And indeed, the greatest sources of draining our energy are also within. They are related to those obstacles and challenges which we not only must face but overcome. But that's easier said than done when we are being drained of all of our resources. We feel as though we have reached the end of the line, the end of our rope. And like some cartoon character dangling on a rope on the on the end desperately trying to hold on we see ourselves dangling above an abyss a bottomless pit or perhaps we see ourselves having fallen into that pit or in the process of falling into that pit for lack of energy is one of the primary symptoms of depression. All of our vitality, the fire seems to be, have gone out. It hasn't gone out, but it's being drained away. And as it is drained away, we lose our capacity to harness it. We lose our capacity to access it, to utilize it in a positive, upright way. 
This is why where the two expressions come up and at him, which is a triple entendre. It's not just up and at them. That's a modern uh, or common version of the expression. The words up and Adam refer to Adam and Adam, as in Adam and Eve, the primordial Adam, which is what we are trying to create inside of us, <clears throat> a true human being in the likeness, in the image and likeness of God before the fall, Adam as he was created by God before the fall in the Garden of Eden. And to do that, the energy must flow up an atom, feeding and fueling the atom noose in the heart, which is the seat of the soul, of the divine soul of our being, of our innermost. And is directly related to the pineal gland in our brain. And as we work in the transmutation of energy, we work with the Divine Mother Kundalini, we are raising that energy up the spinal column, illuminating all of our chakras, illuminating the pineal gland, and flowing that energy into the heart, into the atom news, to crystallize the solar bodies. That is the energy that we have to work with to achieve that goal. And the crystallization of the solar bodies comes at the dissolution, the dissolving of those psychological aggregates and our lunar bodies, which are made lunar by our egos, by the mechanical psychological aggregates, which are the very obstacles that we need to face and overcome. And this is a challenge, but it's a, it's, it's a challenge at the best of times. When, when we are riding high on tremendous waves, upswells of energy and vitality and the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and all the serendipities around us we can witness them appearing one after another after another after another and it, it, it seems as though the red sea itself is parting before us as though the whole universe is conspiring to give us this beautiful yellow brick road to the land of Oz, to the inner sanctum of the temple, to the holiest of holies in the sanctum sanctorium in this beautiful golden yellow brick road is appearing before us. But anyone who has been on this path for any reasonable length of time, observing themselves, paying close attention, will know that such moments are fleeting. There is an ebb and a flow to our life as there is one to the world, to the universe. What goes up must come down. And one moment we may be riding the wave, but sooner or later, that wave must crash, that swell must diminish. 
and all you have to do is look at any cosine wave or any expression of sound. It's not just peaks. There's no such thing as just peaks. A wave of an, an energy form or a waveform, which is just peaks and no valleys. Such a waveform doesn't exist. And because of that, we find ourselves at times in the valley. And that valley has been called many things. You will often find in literature, it referred to as the valley of death or indeed death valley. There is a death valley in Arizona, we believe. But more than likely, there are many, many death valleys throughout the world. And in no uncertain terms, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's in the Bible. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear, because I know that God is watching over me. God is walking with me. My innermost being, my divine mother, they are always with us. And yet, at times, it certainly feels like they are not. It feels like we've been abandoned. It feels like we're wandering in the valley of the shadow of death on our own, forsaken. Why? Why do we suppose that is? All intellectual conversations and discussions about waveforms aside, if there are peaks, there must be valleys. Okay. But why is it that when we are in those valleys, oftentimes we, we, we fall into despair or on the very verge of falling into despair? And what can we do about it when we find ourselves in those situations? Because they will happen. There will come a time when you find yourself in such a place and knowing how to endure and how to survive is not exactly the right word, but it's as good a word as any at the moment. We just remembered that we didn't share the link to participate in today's live stream. So there it is. It's in the chat. And uh, there it is on screen. So when we are feeling weak, when we are feeling downtrodden or defeated, and times are bleak, and we can't seem to muster up the energy to do the work, let alone to accomplish some aspect of our journey, of our mission, of our life's work, that even the 
normal passion that we may have for what Joseph Campbell called following our bliss, that even even for the things that we love and are passionate about, we, we can't seem to muster up the energy. Or if we do, our efforts seem half-ass at best, weak, un, unconvincing, even to us. That's where grasping, we are not acting with that quiet confidence that we normally possess when it comes to those activities, which we feel in the depths of our heart are what we are here to do or an aspect of what we are here to do. And it can be very discouraging and very painful, cause a great deal of suffering when we watch the clock on the wall and the hours, the minutes turn into hours, turn into days, possibly even weeks. If you've ever suffered from clinical depression, you know that bouts of depression can, can ex certainly extend well beyond days into weeks. But we are not referring here specifically to depression. You don't have to be suffering from depression to suffer from a lack of energy. When we talk about peaks and valleys, what goes up must come down. We should recognize that all of this is an aspect of a law that is called the law of the pendulum. And just as a pendulum and a clock swinging back and forth, that pendulum determines the movements of the mechanics in the clock, the mechanicity. For the planet, that pendulum is the moon. We have the day and night cycle, of course, but we also have the lunar cycle, which determines the tides. It also determines functions, including a woman's menstrual cycle. It determines other cycles in nature, pretty much all cycles in nature. And then we have the day and night cycle, of course. But the moon is mechanical like the pendulum clock. So the law of the pendulum applies to mechanical nature. And indeed, our egos work for mechanical nature. The law of the pendulum affects our egos. And this is why it is that on a full moon, Violent crime increases, domestic violence increases, murders, suicides, all manner of abhorrent and atrocious behaviors and crimes increase. But so too, if you are observing yourself, you may find that your gluttony increases, 
your lust increases or your laziness or your envy or your pride or your fear all of the 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 denizens of the night come out in the full moon according to the traditions of literature and the traditions of folklore and fairy tales and horror movies the vampires come to feed the the the, the werewolves howl at the full moon they undergo a transformation they become that horrible bloodthirsty beast when under normal circumstances they appear as normal human beings but when under the under the full moon their true nature comes out their animal nature their violent lustful greedy insatiable nature and these creatures these allegories for our own egos vampires metaphysical parasites which do exist they're called astral larvae incubi and succubi during a full moon they are emboldened they are strengthened they are empowered and they are able to feed on us with a renewed vigor with a renewed capability and strength and unless we are cognizant of that unless we are mindful of our surroundings and unless we are mindful of where we are on the pendulum we will more easily be targeted and become and more easily be victimized by these entities who are seeking our precious energy our sexual force the creative force inside of us that we have to work with divine mother devi kundalini shakti in its it in its other form and its more conventional base form that we use all the time prana our prana our chi our vitality they are related they are that creative force and it's those entities that covet that they lust after that force to consume it for it to make it flow down and out not up and atom and when the energy flows down and out that crystallizes the dreaded kunda buffer organ allegorized as the tail of satan which descends from the coccyx downward and you will always see demons and devils if they have a tail their tail always has that little arrow at the end pointing downward because that is the direction that our energy flows when it is being consumed when it is being stolen and 
devoured and utilized by our egos, by those parasitic entities, which infest our three brains and our five centers, our mind, our heart, and our motor instinctive sexual centers, the body. We are infected and we are infested with energetic parasites, fear, anger, lust, envy, greed, pride, gluttony, laziness. And there are times when we have the upper hand, when we feel totally in control, when we feel in command of our mind, our heart, our body, our energy, And again, we are riding high on a wave, on a, on a swell of energy. But then there are other times when those entities inside of us seem to have the upper hand. And we are being drained. And those who suffer from depression or anxiety or any number of psychological states where the energy is seemingly being drained from within, but you can't quite put your finger on it. As we said, we suffer from depression on a regular basis. And the number one symptom of that is low energy and low motivation. Sometimes not even, sometimes it's difficult to even get out of bed. It's just, you just literally, you just, it's like you are completely drained. These are egos, in the case of depressions, particularly anger, raging in the subconscious mind. But as we've often discussed, anger is very often related to fear. And fear, if fear rages in the subconscious mind, on the surface, what you experience is anxiety and there's kind of a nervous energy to anxiety you're being drained of the energy but but the energy is is being lost through this incessant nervousness this stress it's a psychological and emotional stress that gets right down into your bones you feel anxious that that constant needling anxiety well that's a deep deeply rooted subconscious fear and in depression it's a rage but it's subconscious so on the surface you don't feel angry you just feel depressed but if you can penetrate into your subconsciousness in meditation You will discover what is behind that anger. And if you and if the anger is born out of a desire to control outcomes, if that anger is born out of the the outcomes which are not desirable, you possess deep in your subconscious, or rather, deep in your subconscious is an entity which possesses you. 
that entity uses attachment to certain outcomes and your identification with the with certain outcomes as its means to fuel anger when those outcomes are not aligned with those desires desires craving an aversion so fear wants to avoid certain outcomes fear wants to avoid certain dangers for example and if that alone is what's operating in the subconscious mind you you become anxious you suffer from anxiety and you might not be able to put your finger on exactly what it is that you're feeling anxious about but rest assured that it is related to some outcome because fear is always in the future or in the past but very often it's in the it's in it can be in both but it's always in the future in the past and it's robbing us of our energy in this moment but it's putting our our mind in in the future or the past so we're obsessing over something which is a fantasy either way it's a fantasy no longer exists and it drains us through that methodology by avoiding the desire to avoid aversion to outcomes and fear will conjure those outcomes it'll create fantasies so you're walking down a dark alley and all of a sudden you start visualizing and and fantasizing about what's waiting around in the shadows to to attack you to mug you to steal you just to, to to rob you that's your fear conjuring those illusions but there is a flip side that fear can use and if fear is using aversion to certain outcomes it can also use craving the opposite outcomes so an aversion to suffering an aversion to challenge an aversion to difficult exertions and work the flip side of that is the desire for comfort and security the desire for that which comes easily with little effort or no effort or that which seems to pay off with instant gratification the hard work and the effort that we put into it and when the objects of such gratification for example money or popularity fame the approval of others certain outcomes which we have been made to identify with and attach ourselves to as contributing 
to a state of comfort and security of adding and shoring up our a defensive posture in life when such outcomes do not materialize for us well fear very quickly can turn into anger because the best defense is a good offense and if fear is trying to shore up a kind of uh, keep right a castle complete with a portculeus and a moat and thick walls and guards posted on every tower and fear is constantly seeking to create this defensive barrier between us and the world because within this barrier we feel safe and secure when that barrier is threatened or when we are threatened when fears comfort and security is threatened we very quickly move to rage to anger and we lash out and we strike out we can observe this on the surface level but if this happens subconsciously and that desire for comfort and security is not being fulfilled on the surface level But deep, deep subconsciously, the desire for that comfort and security begins to rage and lash out with anger. While anger is one of the most draining of all egos. It just can suck the life right out of you. Especially if it's just constantly just going and raging and raging and raging and raging. Just think about that for a moment. In those times in your life when you've had these when you've been possessed by rage you've been gripped by anger and you've perhaps flown off the handle and found yourself in a yelling match or a screaming match with someone it's okay it happens to the best of us and certainly in our in our past we would hope that it happened uh, more frequently in the past and it doesn't happen as frequently anymore but regardless if you retrospect on those times you know how draining those moments are and an explosion of anger on the surface right sucks all the uh, sucks sucks all the oxygen that's available and that's what feeds that combustion, that explosion. But what if that combustive quality is slowly burning away in the subconscious, like charcoal, like a hot coal that can burn for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's, it's, it's sucking oxygen it's consuming oxygen can't burn without oxygen something has to fuel that charcoal the same way that the explosion or the, or the raging fire on the surface if you will that's a flash fire 
that's that's out before you know it. If it's not constantly being fed with new new fuel, it's it it runs out of steam very quickly. But the hot coal can go for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, if that hot coal is burning away in the subconscious mind, that anger, that fuming, um, seething rage, but it's seething. Well, it can drag out for days, for weeks, and it's sucking the oxygen, right? And by oxygen, of course, we mean prana, our energy, right? The, the seething anger, the burning coal as an allegory, as an analogy. The seething anger sucks our energy out from us. Joel L. has made a comment here, which we're going to take a moment. Sending lots of love, he says, a tool that helps us bring balance to the ebb and flow of energy in the emotional and mental bodies are mantras. Cleansing the energetic bodies. Om Mani Padme Om. And he's got some links here. Um, Buddha medicine for clearing the suffering of the lower, lower realms. Uh, Tayata Om. Okay. We, of course, this Joel L's comment here sends us in the direction that we were heading in anyway, so we might as well just go there. We mentioned the law of the pendulum and how that, that law applies to everything in mechanical nature, including ourselves our lower selves. So we have our mind, our heart, our vital body, and our motor instinctive sexual center, our physical body. But we are not these bodies. We are not this mind. We are not these emotions. We have a mind. We have thoughts. We have emotions. We have instincts, urges, sensations. But we are not any of those experiences. We are having those experiences. Those are mortal experiences. Those are states of mechanical nature. But we, as a, as a monad, as a divine soul, as a seed, as a spark of the logos, of the divine, infinite, multiple unity, we exist in the sixth dimension. As does our consciousness. Our, and our willpower, our causal body, insofar as we have one, insofar as we have been performing transmutation of the sexual energy and crystallizing 
our solar causal body, in addition to our solar vital, solar astral, solar mental bodies. Through the process of alchemy, transmuting our lunar bodies into solar bodies. As we do so, we have our, we did a live stream last year on lunacy and the nature of lunacy. And why do we call them lunatics? Luna means moon. Those who suffer tremendously under the law of the pendulum because their bodies are completely lunar. Their mental body and their emotional body are completely lunar. Which means the law of the pendulum applies to them in so many different ways. And they're just being batted around like, like a, a mouse being toyed with by a cat. Or like a ping pong ball on a ping pong table. They have no say. They have no control. They have no mastery over their life. They are lunar. They are lunatics. And the further down the downward spiral of lunacy one falls, the worse it gets. And the worse, the more powerful the law of the pendulum becomes in their life over their fate and over their state of being because their state of being is lunar. They're asleep. They're unconscious. They're lost on the, exactly as it sounds like, they're lost in the mechanics of the clock, right? Remember the film Modern Times with Charlie Chaplin when poor Charlie Chaplin gets sucked into the big machine and he's getting, he's getting taken through all the gears and the levers and, and uh, you know, all the cogs and the wheels of the giant machine and he's lost and he's trapped in that machine. Well, that giant machine and all those gears and uh, cogs and, and levers, they're all being controlled by what? By a piston, a piston engine, a steam engine most likely, or a coal-fired engine of some kind in the early industrial revolution anyway. And the thing about any sort of engine um, other than an electric engine, but any sort of uh, internal combustion or steam or pressurized engine, any sort of engine during the dawn of the industrial re uh, revolution, it's like the engines in our cars to this day that aren't electric. They're driven by pistons, that up and down motion. That's like a pendulum. And it's compression and expansion, compression, expansion. Well, compression, ignition, and expansion, right? Explosion. But if we are solar, not lunar, if we are Christic, We can observe ourselves, our lower selves, our mind, our heart, our energy, our body. And we can see ourselves caught on that pendulum. But we 
we've used this analogy before we are not on the pendulum we are at the focal point the zero point of the string from where the pendulum hangs the pendulum can move back and forth and back and forth all we want and use your use your conscious imagination visualize yourself holding a pendulum now swing the pendulum back and forth and observe your hand witness in your mind's eye the pendulum moving back and forth and back and forth but witness the stillness of your thumb and forefinger now hit that pendulum harder get it to where it almost almost wants to go 360 degrees around and yet witness witness the point from where the pendulum hangs pendulum is lower that's the that's its nature it's lower and it moves back and forth and back and forth and back and forth it's a pendulum that's its nature that's what it that's what pendulums do and when we shift ourselves and we the higher we go on that thread closer we get to the still point the zero point of stillness of total stillness even if we only go halfway up the string and again visualize now you have a pendulum on a string and you're holding it now go halfway up the string and put a bead halfway between the zero point and the pendulum now observe now swing the pendulum back and forth and measure the arc just in your mind's eye measure the arc of the pendulum and compare that with the arc of the bead the length the distance traveled by the pendulum versus the distance traveled by the bead, which is halfway up the string. It's not as far a distance. The highs and the lows are not as pronounced, are not as, are not as intense. pendulum can still be swinging wildly but the further you are up on that string the closer you are to the still point of being the more at peace you can be and the less the law of the pendulum affects you you your consciousness, your being, your true self. 
we have used another analogy to describe this phenomenon. That other analogy that we used was the analogy of the lighthouse and the storm and the benefits of not identifying with the passenger in the boat or the captain of the ship, but rather identifying with the lighthouse operator, who is, of course, shining the light of consciousness and illuminating that boat that's being tossed on the waves in the tumult of the tempest of the storm. And yes, the vessel is there. The ship is there. Our physical, mortal, mental, emotional, energetic vessel, this, this, this mortal costume which you see before you, yes, this is there. We are experiencing the storm. We are on the pendulum physically, emotionally, mentally. The law of the pendulum is desperately trying to affect us, and it will affect our lunar mental body, our lunar emotional body, our lunar uh, uh, lunar astral body, our lunar vital and our lunar physical body, of course. But this is why we want to observe those bodies from the point of consciousness, and why we want to practice transformation of impressions and the transmutation of energies so that we do not from our superior point of view higher up on the string of the pendulum or from the lighthouse where we are on solid ground where we can direct the beacon the shining light of consciousness and we can shine that light on the tumultuous circumstances of the vessel we can learn, we can observe, and we can guide the vessel through the storm. Because we ourselves are directing and focusing our attention, our consciousness, and the light that we have available to us in that moment. Because it takes energy to light a lighthouse. And it takes energy to climb up the string from the weight on the pendulum up the string to the zero point from which the pendulum swings. Now, Joel L. mentioned we can use mantra to assist us in this process. The mantra that he suggests here is Om Mani Padme Om. And there's an entire uh, lecture on the nature of that mantra on, on glorian.org because that's the mantra of Christ. And in practicing mantras, and indeed, self-observation, transformation of impressions, pranayama, 
any of the practices that we have touched on in recent weeks, they will help us. Why? Because they are all designed to assist in aligning our consciousness and identifying less with the mortal vessel, so identifying less with our thoughts and our emotions, our mechanical, the mechanical effects of being trapped on the pendulum, and instead harnessing what limited energy we have left available to us to, to free ourselves and to become more and more still, to, to be in that point of observation in the lighthouse and shining the light. Because if you have ever been on a vessel lost in a storm, you know how much energy it takes just to remain standing. Just all the energy that's required just to keep yourself in balance or to keep yourself from falling out of the boat. Not to mention if you are overcome with fear or you're overcome with seasickness and your body is heaving, your stomach, your digestive system is heaving and you're grasping for air because for whatever reason, your body is having a sort of a, a, a instinctual reaction like it's drowning because maybe your fear is conjuring up the notion that in any moment now, that's exactly what might be happening to you. It, it's, there, it is no picnic being on the pendulum. And it is a tremendous, tremendous drain on our energy being on that pendulum. Because we, we are made, we are convinced that we're going to go flying off of it or that we can't keep our balance or whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever thoughts and emotions are conjured up for us by our egos because of the circumstances of the, the, that, that, that we are, we are in these, these, uh, this tumultuous, you know, or the darkness of the valley or you know, that downward slope. And then the efforts that we have to make to crawl our way back out of it, about out of that valley back up to the to the next peak. It's a roller coaster ride. The thing about a roller coaster ride is, is that once the fear is gone, it can be quite enjoyable. It can be quite invigorating. Invigorating. How is it invigorating? It becomes invigorating when we can observe The ride and observe ourselves on the ride, but but know that we are in we are in no danger. There's a reason why we're going on this roller coaster ride. 
There's a reason why the law of the pendulum functions on this level of reality. And for us on the path, that reason for no other reason than to encourage us, to teach us not to identify, not to remain trapped on it. Get into the lighthouse to get up the string to the zero point. The still the, the point of stillness. And let the pendulum swing all it wants and say, I'm not that pendulum. I'm not this body. I'm not these thoughts. I'm not these emotions. I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these emotions. But I am the observer of these emotions. I am the being who is through by means of this mortal vessel witnessing and experiencing these emotions. This, of course, is a good first step. And a necessary state. This is a state which we must seek to observe at all times. And this is, this alone takes a tremendous amount of effort and energy. Self-observation and self-remembering. To be able to sustain a state of wakefulness. To prevent ourselves from falling asleep. That means falling into identification. With the various thoughts and fantasies and emotions that are being hurled at us at all times. To remain unidentified takes a tremendous amount of effort, and that effort requires energy. And if we are being drained of energy, then of course, you, you see how this is a challenge. You see where there, there comes a, a conflict. You can say, well, if what you're saying is you, you, can, you can observe yourself and observe your depression, for example, and by observing it, you're not going to be drained of energy. It feels like a chicken and egg situation. You're only observing your depression because you're being drained of energy in the first place. So, of course, there is a compounding aspect to this. There are going to be times when we have no choice but to observe ourselves being drained of our energy and there's no we there's no other option because again we experience suffering we experience these negative emotions these negative states mental emotional physical energetic states in order to learn from them but the first lesson to learn is to not 
identify with them. Say, this too shall pass. So when we are low in energy, the first thing to do is accept it. Observe it. Remember yourself. You are not depressed. You are not depression. You are not anxiety. You are not exhaustion. You are not defeat. You are none of those things. If I look up any of those words in a dictionary, I am not going to find your photograph. Don't believe me? Google depression, Google anxiety, go to Wikipedia, look up defeat, look up exhaustion. You're not going to find your name nor your photo there. People love to identify and victimize themselves, be, play the victim. And the melodrama of it all, oh, woe is me. And you watch these individuals, you just see them dumping, dumping energy good energy after bad investing more and more and more of themselves into a complete illusion something which does not exist as a noun depression is a state depression is an adjective but if we if we pour ourselves into it Well, don't you think that the entities responsible aren't going to accept and welcome wholeheartedly all the energy that you give it? All that emotional energy, all that mental energy, that mental investment? If the ocean is going to sink the vessel, the ocean is going to sink the vessel. No amount of being lost in that vessel, no amount of your exertion of energy in fear or, or, or investing yourself into the inevitability of it all. It's going to change the fact that the sea is going to swallow up the vessel. So put yourself in the lighthouse. Just observe it happening. Peace, at calm, relaxed. And the only extra energy that you're bringing to the situation is you're shining the light of consciousness on the circumstances and on, on your lower self, on the vessel. This is one of the most powerful things that we can do is meditate on our own death. Because fear, fear is 
founded on the reality that we are all going to die. Our mortal vessel is going to die eventually, one way or another. The mortal vessel does not ascend. The mortal vessel does not receive initiations. The mortal vessel is worm food. It is worm food. It's only a question of time. It's inevitable. And fear knows this. Our fear knows this. And that's why everything becomes this existential threat to fear. Where we buy a new outfit and we're going to school or we're going to work in our new outfit and fear makes it an existential threat. Are people going to like my new outfit or not? Does my new outfit make me look fat or doesn't it? And it's because, and our very existence hinges on whether or not we receive a compliment that way, that day. Or we get our hair done, or we've gone to the gym, or we've done, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or we've done some work, we've handed in a report, or we've, and, and we're, we're hunting for that praise and that attention and that validation from others. And our fear makes it an existential threat through what? Through identification and attachment. If we become identified with what others think of us, if we, come, if we become identified with the way we look and how others perceive the way we look and how others judge the way we look, and we identify with that and say, I am the way I look, I am this physical body, and I am, and not only that, I am my reputation, I am what others think of me, I am only as good as what others say I am. I know only as much as what others agree with. My, my personal value, my individual value is determined as a function of the validation of others. If we fall for fears and, and prides, machinations, and we invest ourselves into that, into these notions, then our very existence is riding upon the positive feedback in those, in those functions. It's like we've created this checklist and unless the, the, the boxes get checkmarked, we are, we, are, we are on the verge of death because our sense of self is under threat because people aren't checking the checkboxes. Yes, you are important. Yes, you are loved. Yes, you are beautiful. Yes, you are intelligent. 
yes, you, you know, you write all of these, these check boxes. And we, our egos present us with those check boxes, with that itemized list. And they dangle that in front of us like, like a, a standardized test that we have to perform well on if we hope to be accepted at university. We start to stress over that test. And we start to take actions in order that that, that test will be filled out, quote, correctly. We spend time and energy and effort. We start obsessing over it. Why? Because somehow passing that test is akin to a test of survival. And that's how clever the ego is in making its desires and its desire to not only survive, but thrive and multiply as all parasites do. It creates for us these fantasies, these illusions to get us to identify with and pour more of ourselves into. And what do we mean by pouring more of ourselves, pouring more of our consciousness and more of our energy into it? Not keeping a safe and healthy distance from it and observing it, but rather investing in ourselves and diving into it and pouring ourselves and losing ourselves, the observer is forgotten, is lost, when we become attached and identified with the that which we are observing, or that which we should simply be observing. And there, energy is lost. So, we can be living, as we all do, on the pendulum and we can be going through the dark night of the soul we can be going through the valley of the shadow of death we have the upswells and the downswells we go up and down and up and down and up and down the key then is to remain at the zero point and things can go up and we just observe it yeah okay things are going good yeah it's great but we remain calm Some have used the word indifferent. And indifferent has a very negative connotation, of course. Meaning, like we don't care. It's not that we don't care. It's we, we don't care to invest ourselves in the word. We don't care to lose ourselves on the pendulum, on the up and down, because the upswells swells 
can be equally draining. In fact, the higher up we go and the more we invest ourselves on the, on the upslope, and we put more of ourselves and more of our energy into identifying on those upswings, well then, sure enough, when we come crashing down, we're going to come crashing even harder. We're going to come, come crashing even lower. So what's a practical example of this? When we are on the path, especially when we are, well, okay, we're going to pause just one second. Erwin Embro said, fear is the parasite via the, via the false ego. Yeah, the ego, the fear, it's a parasite. And, and while we don't want to lose sight of the egos and how they function, remember, they work for mechanical nature. Egos do, the parasites do. They're an aspect of mechanical nature. We want in today's meditation to keep visualizing the pendulum and the, these analogies which reference mechanical nature itself. such that and this is what this is what we're going to be getting into in, in just one moment if the up and down and up and down is an inevitable aspect of nature of mechanical nature the egos are serving that So let's talk about these upswing. When, when the, so if we, if we recognize peaks and valleys, and in the valleys we have low energy, and we just said that the more we invest on the, on the peaks, the more we will have to pay for it in the valleys. What, what exactly do we mean by that, and how exactly does that work? Well... It's very easy. It is all too easy. Especially when we are new on the path. When we are relative uh, acolytes and initiates. It is very easy to become over-enthusiastic. And we become excited we, we, we for example we have a an experience of some kind whatever that experience might be we have some sort of spiritual experience and it's true that for some they have a spiritual experience and their immediate knee-jerk reaction is terror is fear and they and that that spiritual experience takes their mortal self on a, on a high and then as soon as it ends they come crashing down into fear because fear is fear says no no we're, we're not having any of this 
because fear feels its own existential threat in that spiritual experience. So fears go, we're going to have none of this. It makes it comes crashing down. There's another thing that can happen. So we have a spiritual experience and we feel it waning or feeling coming to an end. And all we want to do is extend the experience or have another one just like it. We're desperate to have another experience like that. We want to have another spiritual experience. We want it to be as intense or more intense than the last one was. Right? Because we were we become identified with the spiritual experience. I am that. That must be my true self. That's what it's all about. And we start focusing time and energy and in, in doing whatever it is what we were doing at the moment to try to recreate the conditions that gave us that spiritual experience. And when that doesn't work, we start looking into things like substances and psychedelics. We start seeking and hunting. Why? Because we want that peak. We want more of those peaks. We want more of that that exhilaration, that 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 feeling of 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 euphoria, which of course is very often uh, comes along with spiritual experience. And the psychedelics, those those elementals of nature that create psychedelic effects, well, they're more than happy to reproduce the conditions in your mortal self and in your mind and your heart and your body. They're more than happy to create, recreate those conditions that make you feel as you did while you were having an authentic spiritual experience. And, you know, if you, there's another way to make the pendulum stop. And that's to take your finger and hold it and hold it up to one side. And try to, and you know, if you, you want to try to have peak, 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 peak. But the problem is, if you've ever tried to do this in any capacity whatsoever, you know that sooner or later, you're going to crash. Talk to any alcoholic. Talk to any person who abuses substances of any kind. Any kind. Not just hard drugs. But this includes marijuana. This includes any psychedelic. Any person who uses these things on a regular basis. Why do they keep coming back? They'll give you a million different explanations and rationalizations. Oh, I can handle it. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. It's just this. You're, you're just, you know, you're just a prude. You're just whatever. But you keep coming back. I said, well, if you're not addicted to that substance, stop. I don't want to stop. You can't make me stop. No, you can't make yourself stop. That's the hard truth. But I don't have to stop. Why should I stop? It's a free country. It's a free world. It's my path. My path is my path. It's different from your path. Yes, because their path is down the downward spiral. This is what it means to become attached and identified at either end 
on the law of the pendulum. No matter what, even when things are going, when things are going well, when things are going good, there's a danger in identifying and saying, wow, I feel, I feel great. I feel fantastic. I'm the king of the world. I can do anything da, da, da. you know, I have all this energy of all this vitality. And you think that that's, that's normal. That's the real state. That's the real thing. And you become identified and attached to that state of being that enthusiastic, that excited, that over that, that, uh, um, elated, right? You're so excited. You can't contain yourself. And you, if you observe yourself, you realize how much energy you're burning up and that you're using in those moments, in that elation and that excitement and that exuberation and that enthusiasm. And then when we're in those states, boy, oh boy, we meditate like, like, like it's going out of style. And we do all sorts of sexual, we do all sorts of practices. And we maybe perform sexual alchemy. We want to perform sexual alchemy all the time with our partner. And we want to do, we just, we're, we're such, such a go-getter. We're going to do everything now because now we have the energy to do it, right? What do we do? There's a word for it. It's called burnout. What happens if you put, now this, this is an old analogy, okay? <laughs> it only really applies to incandescent light bulbs. But the old style light bulbs with the filament, what happens if you put an incandescent light bulb, a 40 watt bulb into a 100 uh, watt socket? What happens to the bulb? What happens to us? We don't practice self-observation and self-remembering and moderation and uh, temperance. It's one of the eight great virtues. Temperance. Temperance, the opposite of anger. Temperance is the opposite of rage. And if the lowest of the low, the depths of despair, depression, is defined by deep, deep, deep subconscious rage. In other words, having a temper tantrum deep, deep, deep in our subconscious mind. Then the fuel for that, the, the, the setup for that temper tantrum. Remember why, why are we throwing a temper tantrum? Why does a child throw a temper tantrum? When things don't go our way, when, when we're not getting what we want. 
right? We throw a temper tantrum. So. Why would we expect things to go our way? And why would we throw a temper tantrum when things aren't going our way? Unless when things were going our way, we were equally identified with the outcome and equally attached to the outcome and equally invested in the outcome of things going our way. Guess what? We're setting ourselves up for our next bout of depression. In the same way that a heroin addict shooting up is setting them, or a cocaine addict or anybody with any addiction of any kind, is setting themselves up for a crash every time they get their fix up and down up and down up and down up and down on the pendulum when things are going great yeah i've come into some money i've gone to see my dealer oh i can get my fix now and then you burn through your cash and you burn through the drugs, or you burn through the alcohol, you burn through whatever it is you're burning through. It costs money in this day and age. So you burn through your cash, you run out of uh, whatever it is that you're that, that's required for your particular addiction, whatever the substance is, or, or gambling, or whatever the case may be, you run out of cash, and then what? Then what? Boom. You run out of cash, then you go and crash. Now, if spiritually, esoterically, Metaphysically, you recognize that cash, money, currency is simply a physical expression of energy. It's a physical expression, embodiment, and store of value and store and, and method of, of, of transferring of energy and transferring of effort and value with others. That's what currency and money is leaving aside all the fiat currency and all the international banksters and all that let's let's throw all that complication and nonsense out the window for the moment and come back to pure currency like a gold back standard or gold coins right and something of value that you're trading with another person of value on equal footing okay so that is currency that is a physical manifestation of energy of value of efforts that's why we get paid for our work because it's a physical expression it's a it's a way for an employer to give us a physical manifestation or embodiment of a note that we can then use to say to others look i did a whole bunch of work over here i exerted a bunch of energy i got this in exchange for it but this this thing this note contains in it all of that energy, all of that value, which I gave to my employer. And that's what he gave me this in exchange for. And that's why somebody else will accept it as something of value. And then I can go and buy groceries with it. So it's a physical transference of energy, of effort. Now, metaphysically and esoterically, within our own psychology, 
we have a currency. We have a currency. And we have these aspects of our psychology, we call them egos, that are entities that are addicted to something. But they need our currency to get their fix. What they're addicted to is our consciousness. And they spend our currency, our energy, to get their fix. And they will get us to use up all the energy that we have on those peaks. Why? Because when we crash, the parasite doesn't go away. The pendulum swings. The pendulum doesn't care which way it's swinging. Tide doesn't care if it's high tide or low tide. Doesn't care. High tide, the waves lap and wash away the shore up here and erode the shore on the high shore. Low tide, the waves lap up and wash away all the all the water and all the shore underneath the uh, the beach doesn't care erosion is erosion and waves are waves and the ocean is going to do what the ocean does high tide or low tide it doesn't care it doesn't matter to the ocean but rest assured that the ocean is constantly eroding the land there's nothing there's it's constantly going to be doing that now with the knowledge of that with the awareness of that are you going to shovel the land into the ocean? Do the people in Louisiana or Florida, you know, New Orleans, or are they are they shoveling land in the, into the ocean? Their precious beachfront properties? is someone who, in, who is in debt with the loan sharks, throwing good money after bad. Someone who's, who's in debt because of gambling, and they think they're going to gamble their way out of debt. And they're just digging themselves deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. This is what happens when we are remain, when we identify with, we remain trapped on the pendulum or to go back to the boat analogy the boat in the storm because the waves go up and the waves go down and sometimes perhaps when the waves are up and high and you can get a good view of everything you're going okay I'm, i'm 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 safe and sound i'm up high now Right? I'm not drowning anymore. I'm, I'm up high. I can get a good view of everything, right? But then the next wave comes comes and we and the swell goes deep. And all of a sudden you look around and you're just surrounded by water. You're surrounded by water. Now you think, oh my God, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. A moment ago I was on top of a mountain and I could see the whole ocean. It was like being on an island, but now I'm now I'm surrounded by water. You're still just in a boat in a storm. 
but on the law on the stuck on the pendulum stuck in the boat if you go from these these mindsets right a moment ago it was great you were up high you could see everything it was like you were on an island you were safe and sound you could see the whole ocean and everything you were up high you were up high you were safe you were safe secure you were comfortable the existential threat was low and then moments later the circumstances change and what goes up must come down and now the swell is reversed and now you're in this valley on the ocean and you're surrounded by water everywhere you look a moment ago you could see clearly the shore and everything else but now all you can see you're surrounded by water and now the existential threat is high you have no comfort and security now you're terrified now the comfort and security that you thought you had seems to be, have been wiped away in moments so you see in that analogy in those circumstances right call one positive call one negative the only real lasting peace is had by the lighthouse keeper you shine a light on that vessel that's in the storm you're guiding it it doesn't matter if it's on an upswell or on a downswell it's just a vessel on stormy seas you are a person you have a mind and a heart and a body that is ruled and governed and commanded by the laws of mechanical nature it is what it is they are what they are and you have egos that work for mechanical nature and that are constantly trying and going to try to get you to invest more of yourself in fact all of yourself into that mechanicity into that pendulum and when you're having those great days those great weeks those great months and everything's riding high and everything's going great and you're over enthusiastic and you're you're saying now i'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and i'm going to get a whole bunch of work done i'm going to go get a whole bunch of things and what happens and you're you're investing all that time and energy because you're going to achieve certain outcomes you have goals you have plans you're making them you're going to make them you're going to you're going to do you know and you're setting yourself up for the next you're burning yourself out and you're setting yourself up for the next crash let's um get to some of these comments here we've uh we've we we haven't been ignoring you alexander says in the stock market it's called pump and dump spiritual high bliss minus crash equals hopelessness and despair a very good analogy as well pump and dump is a very good analogy uh, for those who 
are financially minded and know about stock markets and know about that, it's a great, it's a great way to look at it, right? And you get a bunch of people investing a whole bunch of money into a stock. They pump up the stock price and then they try to sell it high, right? But then there's a whole bunch of naive investors who got on the gravy train. They thought they were on the gravy train. They thought they were going to get rich quick. What happens? They lose everything. Alexander says, I remember this spiritual high first time it came while worshiping at a church. It easily can compromise the nervous system. Uh, there are cases now. Compromise. And overwhelm. Are. Uh, it's easy to. Confuse one with the other. If we are having a genuine spiritual experience, we will never be given a spiritual experience which compromises our nervous system. That said, we can have genuine spiritual experiences which absolutely overwhelm us completely and totally. And we we have shared such an experience on our blog and um and look even though our words are are by no means do they truly successfully capture the experience but uh it's it's this poem that uh we wrote called touched by the christ we do not have to fear spiritual experience we do not have to fear being overwhelmed because we are mortal vessels this mortal vessel a nervous system it is what it is it's in many ways just an illusion anyway Certainly, our lunar bodies are not yet, our, our lunar bodies are not capable of, of, of hosting the divine light. That's why we have to create solar bodies. Because, wow, what's the... This one's a difficult one to, to come up with analogy, but give us some time, perhaps what will come to us. But perhaps, but again, we, we come back to the, uh, the incandescent light bulb, right? A 40-watt light bulb, and then compare that to the, to the enormous floodlights that they use to illuminate soccer stadiums or that they use for searchlights, you know, like the bat signal, these huge, huge uh, lights that are not incandescent lights to begin with. But the incredible amount of power that can go through those, uh, uh, the equivalent of filaments to create that light. <clears throat> so if you can imagine the evolution 
from an incandescent light bulb to a floodlight and then appreciate the amount of current going through one versus going through the other and the capacity to to handle it but we are always given experiences that are in accordance with what we are able to handle in the same way that we are always giving challenges and burdens that are always consistent with what we are able to handle it might not feel that way this whole live stream is about what do we do when we feel drained and defeated and out of energy and out of right and we feel down and out and we're down in the valley of the shadow of death and we're crawling on our hands and knees and we can barely muster the energy to go on certainly at those times it feels like that we are overburdened we've bitten off more than we can chew or life has thrown at us more than what we can handle but we feel that way we make it worse for ourselves because we remain identified with that state we, we remain on the pendulum and again when things are good when we're on the upswing when we're on the when we're out of the valley and we're on the next peak then of course the reverse happens and where we become identified again and say oh now i'm the king of the world i'm the top of the world everything's going great everything's going perfect and and we invest too much of ourselves we become too over enthusiastic too <clears throat> identified too <clears throat> exuberant so that when we're on the next valley then it makes it all the worse why because we're pining for the good times why do i have to be in the valley again oh everything was going really great just a few weeks ago and i was being so productive and i was getting so much done i was getting Irwin says, great analogy, addiction is lost only in surrender. The I has nothing to do with abstaining. Uh, all addiction is self-loathing. So stopping the addiction, like you say, of just abstaining from whatever it is that you're addicted to in and of itself will not solve the addiction we must go past beyond must go much deeper than that and recognize what the true source of the addiction was and that what's that is what must be healed and and the answer is not to create or to uh, indulge in any kind of hyperbolic sense of self-esteem because many um, self-help gurus and motivational speakers and whatnot they do a great deal of very clever black magic empowering the ego 
and you're, you're really just robbing Peter to pay Paul saying, well, this aspect of the ego over here, the self-loathing, well, we're going to counter that with self-love. And if you have a lot of self-loathing, don't worry. We're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to uh, overcompensate with tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of self-love and that'll solve everything. But that's because they're ignorant of esoteric psychology. They're ignorant of the nature of egos. They're ignorant of the nature of pride. And when we say ignorant, we mean exactly that. Completely ignorant of what pride is. Now, let's go back to what we've been talking about with the law of the pendulum and the peaks and the valleys and what goes up, what must come down. And how many times have we used this analogy? Every coin has two sides, two, there's two faces to every coin. And every coin is a currency. Every coin represents a currency. Every coin has heads and every coin has tails. Heads, things are looking up. Things are good. Self-love, self-esteem. Yes, I love myself. It's great. So what's the flip side of self-esteem, if not self-loathing? Pride and shame, two, two sides of the same coin. Um, so just for a moment, I have to quickly send a message to somebody. All right. Apologize for that. Sometimes people forget that, uh, we have this, uh, in the afternoon and then they try to get in touch with us so this is in reference to the addiction analogy here and the attempt at solving uh self-loathing through the so-called self-love or self-esteem well you're you're feeding the same demon the same demon that's responsible for the addiction by feeding self-esteem because that demon, that ego of pride doesn't care if one minute you love yourself too much and the next minute you hate yourself, doesn't care because it is siphoning energy off of you either way. In fact, both ways, both cases, it's two sides of the same coin, the same currency. Every time those poor people put money into those slot machines, they're putting heads and tails with every single coin that gets, gets get being guzzled up by those incessant machines. All egos are like this. All egos function in this way. So your self, our self-observation, our self-observation 
and our self-remembering cannot be uh, isolated to when we are in the valley. It cannot be. It cannot just be when things are going bad that we that we start praying to our divine mother and we start observing ourselves and we're observing our depression and you know and we think that you know and and then that's now we're concerned right we're in, we're in the we're in the valley of the shadow of death we're lost in the dark wood and we're feeling depressed we're feeling uh, anxious we're feeling anxiety we're suffering gluttony or you know, emotional eating or laziness or whatever it is that we're suffering from or we're having uh, wet dreams, or we're suffering from a terrible lustfulness. We're, we're, we're in these dark, dark places. And that's when we remember. That's what we call the storm. And that's what we think is time for us to be in the lighthouse and time for us to meditate or observe ourselves and remember ourselves and pray to our Divine Mother. Of course, because everything's going bad, right? But energetically, when we are in those high, when we are having those highs, when we are on the peaks, if we allow ourselves to be identified and we lose ourselves in the exuberance and the enthusiasm and the excitement, we don't observe ourselves and we and we and we forget our divine mother. We we, we don't have any gratitude in those moments. Because if we're on the peak today, that means we were on the valley let yesterday. Or if we were on the peak this week, we were in the valley last week. Or if this month we're having a peak, last month we had a we were in a valley, or perhaps for three months we were in a valley. Because sometimes these things are not uh sometimes these things are not symmetrical. Right? We have a peak and then we, we, we might have a prolonged valley. It might be followed by a prolonged peak. But if we become identified with the peak. Again, we've mentioned this. We've become identified with things when times are good. With the comfort and security. Where everything seems to be flowing like milk and honey. We become accustomed to that. We become identified with that. And say, yeah, this is it. This is, this is what I want. This is the kind of spiritual journey I'm talking about. Well, that's not the spiritual journey. Alexander says, just like a stalk through similar to creating a stairway to heaven, when we correct through the natural omega wave, we can create a lower high or bottom resistance. So eventually we, as you say, be at peace. That said, so during the peak then, the challenge, as is during the valley, when we're in the valley, both cases, and, and, and indeed at all times, when we are experiencing the law of the pendulum, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The real task, the super efforts are to, as we described, move up the string to 
the still point of observation, of non-identification. And this is just as hard to do when we're on a peak as we are in a valley because the temptation is to, again, invest our consciousness and invest our energy into the action of the pendulum. We are, we are constantly being drawn into and drawn down and to become uh, identified with when things are going well, as much as when things are going poorly. So when we're feeling depressed or anxious or when we're down in the, in the, in the pits, we're down in the dumps, we're, we're tempted to get sucked into the victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. This path is too hard. What did I ever do to deserve this? How am I supposed to do this? I can't meditate. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have no energy for pranayama. I have no energy to do anything. And you would just sit there and we wallow in our self-pity. We wallow in self-pity. We pour good money after bad. But remember, two sides of the same coin. If that's what's happening on the tail end, on the flip side, during the peaks, what do we like? What do we do? We revel in our greatness. We revel in our self-satisfaction. We revel in our self-righteousness. We revel in our attainments and our achievements. We revel in our, in our positivity. We revel in our enthusiasm. We revel in our success. And we call it my success. We say, I did this. I'm so great. I'm so productive. I have so much energy. I feel like I can take on the world. I, 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 I. And I keep throwing myself, right? Good after bad. You might say, but, but it's, but you're being productive and it's being positive and all this stuff. Yeah, but you're throwing good money after bad because you're now setting yourself up for the next crash. Because you cannot sustain that. That cannot be sustained. The law of the pendulum prevents it. And the more you try to sustain it, the more you will get yourself onto a terrible treadmill of addiction, becoming addicted to that place and that place of comfort and security and and uh, and vitality and and all the rest of it that goes along with that those highs. You can experience the high, you can feel the high, but don't identify with it. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into it. Do not invest yourself into those highs. Remain at the still point. So your mortal vessel, your mind, your emotions, your body, your vitality can feel those highs, those high energy. But you remain unattached and unidentified. Just observe it and say, yeah, I feel great. I feel I have a lot of energy today. Yeah, I'm I'm going to do what I can, but I'm not going to overdo it. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I have a lot of energy right now, a lot of positivity, a lot of, you know, whatever, the exuberance, the excitement, what the, the, just observe that, but breathe and relax. 
and keep relaxing. Try to maintain a state of temperance, a state of peace, equanimity. And this will help during the downswing of the pendulum. And when the pendulum swings in the opposite direction, it will help you from suffering a terrible crash and going to ever deeper depths of despair and depression and low energy and what what have you and defeat because nothing is more discouraging than taking one step forward and then being pushed two steps back and feeling that way and rest assured that this pendulum is loaded it's 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 not it's not fair right the egos don't fight fair right they're setting us up they set us up for failure so if we are not careful if we don't observe ourselves we do not maintain that state of equilibrium in our heart and our mind and our body as much as possible in our consciousness observing And we allow ourselves to throw ourselves into these mechanical states, then we're just making it worse for ourselves. All right. Dylan has a rather uh, long comment here, so let's address it. See, for us, it's conflicting. When at the peak is, like you said, all in, on everything, relationships, practicing, and without question serving. The Valley don't like to even meditate because it feels like I'm serving or doing it for the ego. Like one has to crawl up out of the Valley and make way before we can meditate on how much those egos had been in control. That just illusory, or should you give your light bulb the time to cool down? This brings us to the practical level of today's topic is that when you are drained of energy, you will not feel like doing anything, least of all meditating. Believe, believe us. Well, we we speak from experience. And if you do try meditating, your meditations will be garbage. They'll, 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 you know, it's, but it's much the same way if you really observe yourself. When you're having highs and you're trying to meditate, you're going to discover it takes twice or three times as long to quiet your mind and quiet your heart and quiet your body and relax because you're agitated, agitated, you're fidgety. You can't stand it or, or you, 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 or you'd be like, I can't meditate now. I have so much stuff I need to get done. There's so, so much, there's so much stuff I could be doing with my, with all this energy. This is, 
this takes a great deal of careful self-observation to be able to discern. And of course, as we're describing it to you, when you're in the peak of the peak and you're trying to meditate, everything's going a thousand miles an hour. The pendulum and the egos, which work for the pendulum, they're going to give you all sorts of reasons why you can't meditate, or they're going to make it as difficult as possible for you to meditate. And when you're in the valley and you're being sucked and drained of all your energy, because remember, you're being sucked and drained of energy when you're on those highs. You're being sucked and drained of energy. The pendulum, your mechanical self, your mechanical self is draining you of what is ultimately the, your currency. It's like we said, like when you when you have when you get paid, you have your money, and then you you the first thing you you hit the casino or you hit the liquor store or you hit your dealer. That's what's happening on those highs. The egos are like got a big influx of energy. Oh boy, now we're gonna have our way with them. And in the valley, when they've used up a whole bunch of energy, now they're like, oh boy, now he's got no energy. Now we're going to get every every last remaining drop that he has. Now he's not going to have energy to do meditation or anything else. So we won't have to distract him. Observe yourself. Observe how clever and insidious your egos are. They're going to get, they get you up here and they get you down here. People underestimate, they completely underestimate the adversary. The adversary is so subtle and so clever. If we are not constantly observing ourselves, constantly aware of how we are being drained, how we're being screwed over by the adversary, We're being screwed over. We're being, and we're ignorant of it. But practically speaking, Dylan makes a good point here. How do you meditate? How do, how do you do the work? How do you do the practices if you don't have the energy to do them? And then as he said, and we we can 100% empathize because we've been there. Of course we've been there. And then you feel like if you're forcing yourself to do it, you're forcing this and you're forcing that. Now it feels like you're doing it. You're doing it out of ego because you're forcing it. It's not coming naturally, and it's not coming that. And your meditations are going nowhere, and it feels like you're doing it out of fear. Believe me, we've been there. Believe me, when it comes to fear. And it be, when it comes to how fear can screw with us, we, as we said, we're writing the book on fear. We're writing this humanity's definitive tome on the nature of fear from an intimate first-person perspective. There are few ways 
in which fear hasn't uh, uh, messed with us. And absolutely, fear will take our lack of uh, our lack of spiritual practices at any given time, our lack of energy to perform those spiritual practices. And fear will take advantage of that and say, oh, you better be you you better do your spiritual practices. You're not doing your spiritual practices. You better do your spiritual practice. And if we go in, if we meditate out of fear, if we do pranayama out of fear, if we do anything out of fear, all the energy that we use, that we're expelling in that process, we're just feeding fear with that energy. Especially if we're doing pranayama, or sexual magic, and we're afraid while we're doing it, we're transmuting the sexual energy. It's the creative force of the universe. But but we're focusing on fear, and we're working with the creative source, the creative energy, but we're focusing on fear. You know that New Age expression, energy, flow, energy, energy uh, uh, flows where direction goes. Or sorry, where attention goes. Energy flows where attention goes. And you're doing pranayama, but you're worried, you're anxious, you're depressed. And you're worried about your depression, you're worried about your, and, and you're working with the sexual force. Now, you can be an observation of your fear. You can be an observation of your pride. You can be an observation of your depression observing it but again from the lighthouse not on the boat on the lighthouse from the still point not allowing yourself to wallow in it and when you're not wallowing in it if you're not wallowing in it because wallowing takes energy self-pity sucks energy in the same way that over exuberance and over excitement and over uh, stimulation and and self righteousness and and self congratulations and all the other stuff that happens in the peak, that all sucks energy. That all steals energy away. So too, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're in the darkness, when you're in the lowest of the low, and you, and you give into self pity, and you give into self loathing, and you get into all these things, and you give into and you start emotionally eating emotionally drinking, binging Netflix, binging YouTube, binging Doritos, right? All of these activities are sucking life force out of you. Listening to negative music, watching negative things, right? You're like, I mean, you say, well, you know, misery, misery, what's the expression? Misery prefers company. Or misery delights in company or something something like that. So when you're down in the dumps and you say, well, I'm down in the dumps. So damn it, I'm going to be down in the dumps. And I'm going to wallow. I'm going to, you know what? It's uh, If it's going to be black, it might as well be hairy. So I'm going to double down on it. 
I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling like shit anyway. I might as well binge on a bag of Doritos. Why the hell not? I feel like crap anyway. I can't meditate anyway. My meditations are going nowhere. So I might as well do that. And then what happens? Right? You scarf down a bag of Doritos. And then the second, the second, the last chip is gone. Boom! Comes the guilt. Oh, why did I eat that bag of Doritos? And the brain fog <clears throat> comes from all the MSG and all the and all the uh, the the uh, the carbs and the MSG hits your brain, and the brain fog comes, and then you get the 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 gut rot, right? The junk food rot, because maybe it's not Doritos. Maybe Doritos aren't your thing. Maybe it's potato chips. Maybe it's chocolate. Maybe it's donuts. Maybe it's an entire box of Oreo cookies or two liters of ice cream, or maybe you've gone off to a, a, a Taco Bell or KFC or where, or, you know, or you ordered in a pizza or whatever it is you did and you scarfed it all down because you thought, you know what? I'm miserable anyway. I might as well, you know, just, and for a few moments of a temporary high, a temporary fix, right? You, you, you give into this emotional eating and then right away after it's the guilt comes and the shame and you're right back and now you're in a even a lower place of self-loathing than you were to begin with observe how our egos do this to us how our egos play us like a fiddle and like any violinist a violinist has a vast repertoire of music that it plays on a fiddle And it's got rip-roaring, fast, you know, tunes that it can play. And then it has slow, melancholy, you know, you know what we're talking about. The violin is that is, is a kind of unique instrument in that it's it can go from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows very quickly. And you know that there are some violin songs that you just did, they, 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 they can very easily put you into a state of depression. They're so, they're so melancholy and sad. There's something about that instrument it can be so, right? But it's the same instrument. It's the same instrument. The same musician playing that instrument. It just plays a different tune. It just plays a different tune. Doesn't matter if the tune is happy or sad. We're still the ones being played. So, practically speaking, we know we have to observe ourselves. This is the baseline. This is the absolute bare minimum. And by observing yourself and remembering yourself, you will always have enough energy to do that because when you practice that you are you are pulling yourself out of the pity of the wallowing of the identification when you be when you practice self-observation and self-remembering you cannot identify with what you are observing by observe you're observing yourself you you create that that distance between observer and observed and so through the practice of self-observation, self-remembering, immediately 
you you are recovering the energy that you need to do the self-observation so that right there is your first clue if if all else fails keep observing yourself and remembering yourself remember your divine mother remember your innermost being and observe what's going on even if all you can observe is on the surface even if that's the best that you can do then observe that but your mind your heart and your body your motor instinctive sexual centers and do your best not to indulge in the impulses from those lower centers that are clearly lunar that are clearly mechanical that are clearly reactive and tempting and trying to get you to indulge in them and the rationalizations and the justifications you deserve it you've earned it you're 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 you know or oh you have no energy oh go and eat a snickers bar that'll give you energy go and eat a snickers bar or go and drink a bottle of coca-cola or go to starbucks and get a triple shot of espresso that'll give you energy uh you know you've been down this road and you know all the kinds of tricks and tactics that your mind will throw at you and all the excuses and the justifications and rationalizations and all of the substances and all the everything that you know and go and get yourself a monster energy drink and all the rest of it right all the rest of it and you know that whatever pop you get out of those things the physiological effects of those types of substances like caffeine and whatnot and so forth that you you very quickly or sugar right you you get a you go and you decide you're going to have something sugary you know you're going to crash and you know you crash whether it's caffeine or sugar or any of these things you have a momentary whatever you get out of it and then boom then you're right back to where you started but you're probably even worse off than when you began but there are there are ways that we can metaphysically increase our energy there are things that we can eat which can improve our energy levels not necessarily pull us out of depression or anything like that but they can help us and some of these may be may seem counterintuitive but um one of the obvious ones is physical activity now when we say physical activity it doesn't have to be anything uh crazy uh you know you're, you're not going to have the energy to do any sort of crazy exertion anyway but it could just be going for a walk in fact getting out into nature is probably one of the best things that we can do when we are low on energy energy and when we feeling when we are feeling defeated when we are feeling drained when we feel like we can't go on go for a walk out in nature and 
if you're in a big city and nature isn't readily available to you, go and get the next best thing or the closest thing you can find to it. Go to a park, walk along the lakeshore, do whatever it is you can get to. Hop on a train and go somewhere where you can be out in nature. And when you are in nature, be in nature. Be one with the nature around you. Breathe in the nature and breathe out the negativity, the, the, the despair, the negatively charged energy inside of you. Breathe it out and breathe it down through the soles of your feet into the ground. If you can do this barefoot, it's even better. Go to a beach, go to a park, walk around barefoot and breathe in and breathe in the solar light, breathe in the fresh air, breathe in the oxygen, breathe in all of the positive vitality, the life-giving force of nature. And when you breathe out, direct down through the soles of your feet, through the tips of your fingers, through the ends to the ends from the uh, strands of hair or your beard or whatever it is you have to work with, direct it all down into the ground. Believe it or not, the earth will thank you for it. Because mechanical nature, it's the law of the pendulum, it needs both. It needs both the forces of life and the forces of death, right? It's the only way, the only way nature works. It's life and death. It's it's the constant, it's the constant renewal, the constant uh, recycling. And so the earth requires our negative energy. It requires our 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 inverted energies why do you think the egos exist from the standpoint of mechanical nature why do you think the egos are constantly trying to get us to feed our energy to them so they can create negative energies and negatively uh, uh inverted energies that it can send back into the earth that's what the kunda buffer organ does because that's what connects us to mechanical nature. That's what binds us to the earth and send us, sends us negative. If we indulge and identify with the desires that invert those energies. So we can observe and we can be out in nature. We can say, okay, you guys want my, you guys want the negative energy here. You can have it. And breathe it out and breathe it out and send it down into the earth. Send it down into the earth. Let, let mechanical nature recycle it. Do with it what it wants because it wants it. Let it have it. And in the meanwhile, from the sun, from the air around you, the solar atoms are just waiting to be absorbed by you. And you can do this all consciously. And if you, you can do this. And if you want to perform this exercise, walking around in nature, and you want to perform... Om Mani Padme Om or Om Masi Padme Om, the mantra of Christ. And you can visualize Christ and you can look up at the sun and visualize the Christ and you're absorbing Christic atoms on every in-breath. And you're releasing 
negative atoms. The uh, uh, you want to think of them as as uh, satanic atoms or negatively charged atoms or inverted atoms or whatever you want. You know, you just lunar atoms absorb the solar energy and expel the lunar energy. This will do you good. Will it make your depression go away? Will it solve all your problems? No. You're on the law of the pendulum. You're, you're going to have to wait for the pendulum to swing backwards. But this will help you to cope and it will give you energy. And this in itself will be a practice. You will be performing a mantra. You'll be visualizing. You'll be observing yourself. You'll be remembering yourself. You'll be remembering the Christ. And you'll be working with the uh, transmutation of energy, the transformation of energy. You'll be essentially doing a pranayama, walking, waking in nature, in a meditation with a mantra. This will help re-energize you. If you don't have access to nature or it's pouring rain or middle of a snowstorm or whatever the case may be you can't get outside you can perform pranayama and you can do the same thing wherever you are you can absorb the solar atoms and expel the lunar atoms you can do mantra you can do and you don't have to do it for long 10 minutes 15 minutes however long you can go There is a powerful practice. It's one of the runes. Well, it's not one of the runes. It's three runes. The runes Fa, Dorn, and Oz. We're going to share the link with you because uh, we're not going to go through the details of it. We've shared this before in our uh, live stream on transmutation and working with the fire on pranayama and working with energy. So we've, we've talked about this before. But the runes are assuming positions with the body and creating the runes with the body and then combining it with prayer, mantra, visualization, much the way that we described going out into nature. Fa, Dorn, and Oz uh, is very much related to the absorption of solar atoms, solar energy. And it's a way that you can help recharge yourself. You can perform this every morning, in fact. But it's especially helpful for, obviously, when you are feeling down and when you're feeling very low energy and you can't go on. Um, related to any type of activity or practice, when we're talking about shoring up our energy supply, clearly you want to avoid again, indulging egos as much as possible. So you 
you want to try to plug the leaks wherever you can find them. And since we mentioned the negative ways in which we have a tendency to eat when we are um, feeling low and we find ourselves falling into the trap of emotional eating and binging and so on and so forth. The reverse of that is we can eat very well, very clean, whole foods. And be cognizant that some foods, different foods relate to different elements. And some foods are very fiery. And those fiery foods that feed lust, for example, like red meat and uh, hot foods, spicy foods, they may serve to temporarily or in the short term may give you a boost of energy but if you don't perform pranayama if you don't transform that energy and utilize it and transmute it in a positive way um, feeding yourself energy without transmuting it there is a strong likelihood that your egos are going to get a hold of it and they're going to end up draining it anyway so you want if you're going to be eating another food that has solar atoms in it is uh, grapes and there is a an entire series on glorian.org called spiritual is it healthy healthy spirituality is what they call call it um, they go into great detail in this uh in this lecture series how to take care of your body for spiritual growth and as you can see these are all separate lectures and uh, maybe we can make this bigger so as you can see, we have everything from, you know, caring for your temple. We have two lectures on protein and then there's healing and there's water and there's essential oils and, you know, and then the risk of genetically, genetically modified foods and junk foods and all the rest of it. So there are things that we can do again, working with nature, right? Cause if we're on the pendulum, right, there are ways to mitigate the worst of the effects and we can work with our lower nature consciously because remember our lower nature is built on a foundation of our higher nature so the higher nature supersedes the lower nature anyway and the end goal of a master is to be a master of their nature to be a master of nature to lord over nature now this was twisted and corrupted by ego into the foul uh, belief that people have lived with for thousands of years where this humanity has been lording over nature, right? And being masters of nature by exploiting and raping the natural world. Well, clearly this is stupid. This is psychotic behavior. 
And it's 100% ego. It's 100% Black Lodge because that's not what it means to be a master of nature, to be a lord of nature. How, do, how does one be a lord of nature? By walking on water as Jesus did. He is a master. He is, the, he is a lord of his sexual waters. He's a master of his sexual waters. He can walk on top of them. And when Jesus rides triumphant on a donkey into Jerusalem, have you ever have you ever tried to deal with a donkey, a mule? They are possibly one of the most stubborn animals in nature. <laughs> and the very notion that Jesus is able to ride triumphantly on the back of a donkey, because nothing is more stubborn than your mind. Nothing is more stubborn than your lower animal self, your instincts, your desires, your passions, your sensations, your desire for sensations, and the mind's justifications and rationalizations for all of it, and your mind's attachments and identifications, and the way it grips and holds on to desperately for dear life to its beliefs, right? We call it cognitive dissonance, but it's holding on for dear life. That's what it means to be stubborn. When the primacy and the supremacy of the animal within us comes under threat, that becomes an existential threat to mechanical nature and the elements of mechanical nature, including our egos, and they fight tooth and nail they fight for their survival they fight for their continued supremacy over us the, the egos do not go quietly into the night just as the global elite do not go quietly do not do not say oh well okay you caught us here we forfeit all our wealth and our comfort and security and our power to the masses just because someone posted a YouTube video, right? Power corrupts. And those who have it don't want to give it up. And to those who have comfort and security, don't want to give it up. Because to them, the loss of comfort and security is equated to the loss of life the loss of their comfort and security is an existential threat because they are identified with their comfort and security the same way the global elite are identified with their money and their power and their authority and their superiority. Take that away from them, they cease to be. They cease to be what they are. But that thing that they are doesn't want to cease to be. No thing does. What thing do you know of wants to cease to be not naturally anyway so we can work with nature in a positive way and that includes our diet and this is available to you here is the um did we already uh, put this no we didn't put this link in the chat so here is the link and um
And just as an aside, because we, we are on this topic, um, we mentioned grapes, we mentioned red meat, uh, but to be careful with the red meat, but the grapes are so have solar atoms. Uh, what else has solar atoms? Honey. Honey is a, uh, a magical substance. Yes, it's a sugar. So, you know, we want to obviously be mindful of that. We want to, you know, everything in moderation. But on the other hand, honey is all natural and it is created in the sun, in the, in the flowers. And it's, it is the, 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 the nectar which attracts the bees which are this planet's great pollinators, the great facilitators of sexual union in the, in the plant kingdom. The bees are to the plants what the priests and priestesses of the ancient temples of uh, Lemuria were to the honeymooners, to the newlyweds, where the newlyweds would go after they were joined to learn, they would go to the temples to learn the secrets of sexual alchemy, of, of white tantra from the priests and priestesses of the temple. They would instruct them and facilitate and mediate the transmutation of the creative force, of the sexual force. And pollination in the in the plant kingdom is sex and you look at flowers you look at their blooms flowers especially things like orchids and you cannot help but see the similarities between the female uh, sexual organs and the male sexual organs because you have the stamen and the pistil and the other uh, uh, related parts of a flower and you have the parts of the flower which secrete the pollen. You have the parts of the flower which are receptors of the pollen. And then these flowers give off these fragrances. They have the nectar, this fragrant nectar. And the bees work industriously to gather this and bring it to their their hive and we are able to harvest the fruits of their labor which is this rich golden solar high energy substance uh take some freshly crushed almonds or almond butter like put that all natural almond butter and spread it on some healthy toast and and mix it, mix it with honey. Mix the almond butter with honey and spread it on some, some healthy toast. This is what Master Samael recommends, that if you are low on energy and you are finding it, uh, and you are finding it difficult to, uh, to get by and do your work and to do your self-observations because you are low on energy, this is what he suggests you have in the morning for breakfast. Almond butter and uh, mixed with honey. 
but an all-natural, unpasteurized. If you can get organic, it's great, uh, but unpasteurized. The, the, the less it's been worked by the hands of man, the better. And almonds, of course, have a lot of fat and a, lot of, uh, and a fair amount of protein. They themselves have very little sugar, have a fair amount of fiber as well. So, um, but if you have a nice combination of things here and nothing too crazy, not, nothing too much of anything, so keep it all in balance. But Master Samael uh, recommends that this is the type of uh, food that you can have in the morning and that this will keep you well into the day in your self-observation and self-remembering. It'll give you a lot of energy. Uh, put a teaspoon of honey. If you have some um, uh, tea, ginseng, and ginger tea. Um, but if you are, remember that if you are going through depression, or any, or, or you're whether you're having the highs or your lows, if you have anxiety or depression or anything, remember that in your subconscious mind something is raging. So you don't. So you want to avoid stimulants. So yes, ginger and ginseng tea and stuff, it will, will help energize you in a way, but what's probably better for you is chamomile tea, which is soothing and calming. Because remember that the ego gets at your energy through stress and anxiety and by agitating you. So calming yourself remaining calm remaining relaxed helps you to preserve and conserve your energy it makes sense right it makes sense what do you do when you go on vacation why do people like going to the beach for seven days and laying on the beach for seven days what are they doing they're, first of all they're in the sun and secondly they're not doing any, anything for hours and hours of the day and they're recharging and they're relaxed, but mostly they're relaxing. They're not stressed out about anything, especially if they go to those all-inclusive places. Everything's taken care of for you. You don't have to think about anything. Or they go on a tour where everything's taken care of you. You don't have to think about anything. You don't have to worry about anything. Somebody is taking care of you for seven days or 12 days. You have an itinerary. All you got to do is follow the rest of the people, whether it's you're on a cruise or you're on a bus tour or whatever it is. Like, that's why people enjoy those kinds of holidays, because it allows them the, the, to, to put their mind and their emotions and to some degree or another, put their, their body into a relaxed mode, a relaxation mode, a vacation mode. So relaxing and, and not stressing is important. So if you could have chamomile tea or something else which relaxes you in that way, remember caffeine will give you the jolt it'll give you the fix but then you'll have to come down chamomile tea doesn't have that effect no herbal tea has that effect because it has no caffeine in it what other practical things uh related to this that we can mention oh yes of course how could we how could we remiss if it is true that Misery prefers company, and one of the things that uh, we might be tempted to do is wallow in our misery. 
And, you know, that's true for food, given to junk food, cravings for, you know, uh, uh, binging and so on. Or we might binge TV or, or, you know, we might also feel the temptation to put on some angry music or some very sad, somber, melancholy music. Or we might uh, feel the temptation to play some violent video games or uh, watch some violent movies or horror movies or movies filled with scenes of simulated whatever. Instead, we can use our discernment and say, well, instead of giving into that temptation, and watching XYZ horror movie or XYZ negative whatever, or listening to negative whatever. Why don't I listen to something positive and beautiful? Why don't I listen to some classical music by Mozart or Beethoven? Or why don't I watch a movie which is uplifting and beautiful? Or maybe some scenes from a movie my favorite movies, the ones that from my childhood. Why don't I watch uh, some animated films from my childhood or watch some wholesome comedy? It's going to make me that's that that's 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 wholesome and innocent comedy. That's it's going to make me laugh. It's going to make me forget about these constantly uh, nagging uh, voices in my head and in my heart that are trying to get me to drag me deeper and deeper into the pit. Master Samael says games are very good for getting us to forget our, our troubles for a while. So it's okay to lose yourself in a game. But that game has to be, at the very least, the, the game has to have some sort of benefit, subconscious uh, benefit associated with that game. So it has to be archetypal, and it has to speak to the soul, speak to the consciousness. It can't just be a violent video game, violence for violence sake. You know, you, you're not going to get anywhere with that. It's, or that's like watching a B movie or just watching any of these Hollywood churned out, mass produced garbage. Just like junk food for your mind. Okay. And junk food for your heart. You don't want to, you don't want to consume junk food ever. And you don't want to consume mental junk food and emotional junk food ever. Industrial processed garbage. You don't want to expose yourself to garbage especially when you are weak you want to just like if if this is true if this is true for food and we want to have a, a healthy spirituality where food is concerned and we know that impressions are food then we want to have uh, a healthy diet for our mind and our heart, especially when we are weak. We need to have things that strengthen us 
and uplift us and shore us up, not drag us further down into the muck. So we, uh, <clears throat> in terms of games, that could be uh, chess. Chess is probably the best one. But having said that, in our experience, uh, we have had experiences with video games. And this is our blog article describing video games extending to high art, um, ascending to high art. And um, there's the link. Now, that's not saying that, you know, you need to play these video games, but no, it's, that's not what we're, that's not the point of this article. The point of the article is to say that God works with the clay that's thrown on the wheel and there is no art form that is, that is devoid of divine inspiration. Just as there's no art form that's devoid of satanic influence there's there's and it's a ratio of probably a hundred to one right for every one great beautiful movie that comes out of hollywood that's truly moving that's truly inspirational that's truly archetypal uh there are a hundred pieces of garbage that's churned out of that uh that factory right and so on our on our blog we we share what some of these films are. So for example, the, you know, there's Amadeus, right? And this article of ours explains why Amadeus is this beautiful, profound archetypal esoteric lesson in the, in the, in the, in the struggle between, between uh, our higher self and our lower self, our, 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 the adversary, our egos, the egos and the being and the battleground for that. But this movie is also filled with Mozart's music. And it's also beautifully written, expertly acted, wonderfully characterized. And it's, 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 it's funny, it's dramatic. The performances are great. So this is something that, you know, you can throw or if you like uh, a film like Forrest Gump, now we know you might we might have you might have misgivings about uh, about uh, uh, what's his name the actor who plays Forrest Gump, um, and that's fine. I mean that's you know that's fair. But Forrest Gump as a film has its uplifting moments. It's undeniable, and. Um, and since we're finally on the topic of film, this is, uh, we've talked in the past about, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, it's the Andrew Garfield film about the ridge, about the fellow who, uh, the conscionable, the conscientious objector. And that that film that's uh, it's a difficult 
film to watch, but it's a story of courage and it's a story of resilience. And yesterday, just serendipitously, yesterday night, just happened to be on TV, another film, and that film was called, that film was called 12 Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave, the story of uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Solomon, who uh, was stolen from the north and sold into slavery, and and the the film. Um, oh, jeez. Okay. Hopefully it won't play. No, it's going to play by itself again. And there's no way to stop it, is there? All right, we stopped it now. Well, anyway, so we so this is not a useful uh, website. Okay, so there we go. That's a little better. How about we just show that? All right. Uh, this is, again, a difficult film to watch. There are moments of uh, terrible brutality. But... the courage, the resilience of the characters, particularly the character of Solomon. And this is a true story. This is this the the film is based on his autobiography. We must say that it is very difficult very, very difficult to wallow in self-pity. And it's very difficult to say, I'm, I've reached the end of my rope. I've got nothing left in the tank. I've got nothing that's going to keep me going. It's very difficult to give in to defeatism and victimhood and self-pity. When you have a story like 12 Years a Slave to show you what suffering is, what endurance is, and what, what mere mortals are capable of enduring through the strength of their spirit. And uh, if you're in a crappy mood anyway, and you're willing to, uh, 
you're willing to endure. And there's the passion of the Christ. Very, very difficult movie to watch. But if you're already in a crappy mood, you're already low on energy, you're, you know, don't invest in it. Don't identify with it. Don't allow the ultraviolence to get to you. Focus on what you know Master Jesus was focusing on as he was going through all this. The passion of the Christ. That passion is within you. Passion means that which we are willing to suffer and die for. Suffer and die for. This brings us all the way back to the beginning. And our analogy of the pendulum. What, what is in us, which must die, is that which keeps us trapped down here in the pendulum. And if we, we suffer because we're here on the pendulum, but we suffer in order so that we can die psychologically. And each time we do, we move up the string here to the still point. And eventually, if we do this for enough lifetimes, or we're on the path of the Bodhisattva and we do it enough times in one lifetime, then we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus himself and die and be born again of the waters of the spirit and be Christified master and there and no longer be on the law of the pendulum anymore. That's what it means to be an ascended master, a Christified master. We are at that zero point. We are here now. We still have, but, but we have solar bodies, not lunar bodies. The, the moon no longer affects us. We've rid ourselves of all of our egos in one lifetime on the straight path, the direct path, the path of the Bodhisattva, the path of suffering and sacrifice for humanity. There is no suffering and sacrifice for humanity without a path of suffering and sacrifice, without the dark night of the soul, without feeling drained. Not just sometimes, but almost all the time. Because the egos do not go quietly into the night. Because it's not an easy path. The spiritual path is not an easy path for anybody. For anyone, it's not an easy path. Except with the exception, perhaps, of, the, uh, of those on the spiral path. What in Jesus' Jesus's times were called the Pharisees. 
the Pratyeka Buddhas or Nirvanis. Those are the souls that have already achieved Nirvana. But they're identified and attached to Nirvana. And they suffer from their own kind of mystic pride. And they come down here every now and then and they have a lifetime, but they have all this positive karma. So their, their life isn't particularly hard. They don't suffer particularly that much, but they don't go out to seek to help others all that much either. They help some people here and there. They do some good works. They keep their hands relatively clean, so they don't they don't accrue more karma. So they work on themselves. They work on their egos here and there a little bit. And then when they're done, they go back to nirvana, where they can be for you know however long before they decide to come back and have another life. This is called the spiral path, and they can be on that path going around and around and around and around and around the mountain for very, very, very long indeed. And they're problematic to those on a genuine spiritual path because they send the wrong signals and they, they send the wrong message. They say, oh, relax, relax. Just, you know, just work on yourself. Everybody's going to be awake. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody's going to, you know. They're speaking of their own experience. But they also suffer the spiritual forgetting. So they may not know that they're Nirvani. They may not know they're Pratyeka Buddha. They might not know that about themselves. They're following the impulse of their innermost being, but they don't, they might not be cognizant of that. And so they send the wrong signals, they send the wrong messages, and they send people off the right, the, the wrong track because there's many people who have not yet attained the rank of Buddha, a rank, attained the rank of Nirvana. It takes a lot of effort to achieve, to attain that rank, to awaken. So coming back to the point is we have to work, we have to uh, uh, make efforts, and the path is not easy. The path will be draining. And there are, we do have things available to us, uplifting stories, inspirational stories, uh, movies, music. Call up a friend. Call up someone you haven't spoken to in a while. Ask them if they are willing to give you a sympathetic ear. You know, write a blog, start a blog. If you have negative emotions or start a journal, if you don't want to make it public. If you have negative emotions, you want to get them out. You want to be able to observe yourself. You want to be able to see if you, you know, write, write and then reread what you've written. You may achieve a comprehension through that. Record yourself into the uh, voice recorder on your phone and then play it back. You might hear something in your confession to yourself, which then sparks a, a comprehension. This, this, All of this is in direct reply to earlier when it was uh, Dylan. Was it Dylan? Yeah, Dylan, who said that um, he doesn't have the energy to perform practices. Go, lie down in your bed, imagine 
you are in Sigmund Freud or Carl Jung's office. Put the record function on your phone. Put it down next to you on the bed. Put it on silent mode or do not disturb mode. And put on a timer for an hour. If you want, if not, don't put a timer on. Go as long as you need to. And imagine yourself on Carl Jung's psychoanalysis couch. Play both parts. Allow the questions to arise. Oh, what did you think about this? Oh, okay. And then, and then just, and just let it go, let it go, let it go. And how does that make you feel? Well, it makes, you, makes me feel like this and this and this and this and this. Ah, what do you think that's about? Why do you think that's, 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 allow, allow your innermost to ask the questions. And then when you're done, you know, don't forget to stop recording on your phone. Take a break, go for a walk, and then come back and listen. If you feel like you don't have the energy to meditate. Or again, if that's not your style, if you'd rather write a journal, write a journal. Put it down, go for a walk, take a break, come back the next day, and then read what you wrote the previous day. Before we call it a day, we want to give all of you an opportunity to share any insights or suggestions or advice of anything, anything that you do when you are low on energy or when you're drained or when you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Is there stuff, are there recommendations that you can make to uh, the rest of us who are listening on tonight? And feel free to use the chat or feel free to pop on the live stream, the, uh, the link to do so is right here. Um, if any of you have any suggestions or any tricks or tactics that you use for when you're low on energy or when you're feeling melancholy or depressed or whatever the state, or when you're feeling defeated, and you feel like you can't go on. What are the what, what are the what are some of the things that you have found have worked for you in the past? Feel free to share those. Uh, oh yes. The Andrew Garfield film was Hacksaw Ridge. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's this one. That's a it's a tiny poster, but you get the idea. Um, that's the one with the conscientious objector who goes into the Second World War without carrying a gun, and uh, and that's his story. Um, again, it's a very, uh, 
it's a very uplifting story. There's also the scene from the mission, which you can watch on YouTube and we've, we can't, we can't play it for you uh, because we'll get the, uh, you know, we'll get demonetized. Well, it's not, it's not like we're monetized anyway, but you know, we'll get the, the video will get struck from YouTube. We don't want that to happen. Uh, okay. It's called the mission waterfall scene. Uh, this is one of the most beautiful scenes of, uh, any film in history. And, um, it begins with, uh, Robert De Niro, uh, playing a conquistador, Rodrigo. And he is, he's, he's performing a penance. And his penance is to drag his conquistador armor up the side of this, well, to the mission. And the mission is up on top of a ridge. And they have to climb up a waterfall to get to it. So um, if you have never seen this film, we highly recommend the film. The music is by Ennio Morricone, and it's absolutely beautiful and haunting. Gabriel's oboe is the famous piece of music from the film. But this scene in particular will change your life. It will move you forever. Okay, uh, we have some comments coming in, so let's get to those comments. Um, Benjamin says, thank you for all of these tips. I uh, sometimes take con con uh, consolation, or I, so I sometimes take console to some uplifting songs when I am sad or low on energy. I also read this verse from the Bible that says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Of course, thank you for mentioning. And, you know, why didn't we mention about reading books and reading poetry and reading scripture? If you want, uh, if it's a verse, that speaks to you is if it's a prayer from scripture that speaks to you, or if it's a story like the book of Job. Again, Job is all about how to endure suffering. Uh, so again, scripture can be a tremendous, uh, uh, a tremendous source of uh, respite. And Benjamin says, pardon the grammatical errors. He meant consolation. Uh, yes, we, we, uh, yeah, we tripped up on that ourselves. <laughs> okay, Mugaboo22 says, I usually stay with the feelings because I know it won't last forever, and sooner rather than later, I am back in a good mood. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly acceptable, right? We are not, we are not giving this information with the suggestion that this has somehow going to pull you out of a bad mood or that you want to change the circumstances that you are in. This is a question of feeling at the end of your rope and having no energy to continue. Where you're, yes, if you can stick with it, 
and just keep observing it and know that it's temporary, know that sooner or later you will eventually come out of it, that's fine. But if you need a boost of energy to help you in that process, to help you stick with it, to help you just observe it, right? There are ways that we can draw on sources of inspiration and energy and to say like, you, you will not watch 12 years a slave and be put into a good mood. It's not gonna change your mood. What it's going to do is going to show you how much worse things could be. And that if you think you've hit rock bottom, you're kidding yourself. And if that fellow could go through what he went through, you can go through what you're going through. That's the point, the inspiration to endure. That's why reading the book of Job or watching the Passion of the Christ, or even watching that scene from the mission, or indeed the whole film of the mission itself. As Azale says, it is not a recommendation, but when I'm low on energy, or if I'm in a bad position, I see this in the same way as when I'm high in energy or in good position. Be triumphantly high as well as low. So, you're basically what you're suggesting is to observe both states of the pendulum from up here, from the zero point. So it doesn't matter if you're high energy or low energy, it doesn't matter. You're, if you're observing from the zero point, you don't change. You're, 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 in the, you're in the constant state. You're in the state of peace. You're in the state of, you're in the recognition that the pendulum is gonna swing back and forth. But if I'm up here, you're triumphant, right? You've triumphed over the pendulum because it doesn't matter what the pendulum does, high energy, low energy, it doesn't matter. You're observing it from here. And that's the point of maintaining the self-observation. Mugaboo, for depression, I, I have come to understand my gut is directly related to my mood and influences the brain a lot. Uh, many people who have food intolerances, food intolerances, uh, food sensitivities, that is true. Many people don't realize that uh, things like uh, refined sugars lead to depression in them. And many people haven't discovered that yet. In our case, things like uh, uh, overdosing on gluten and MSG and these types of things and uh, modified proteins and whatnot, they, they gave us seizures. They, they were food for the demon. It's unbelievable. So um, food intolerances, food sensitivities, they can definitely lead to uh physiological and neuropsychological effects which can drain us of energy that's why don't eat garbage don't eat garbage and and constantly be in self-observation and awareness so that you can become aware and familiar with your own body and your own any sensitivities or allergies or intolerances that you might have when it comes to food dylan says wish we could share memes uh, have one that says, when your ego decides to reject your ego, but your ego gives you an ego boost for being uh, for being egoless, and your ego knows this, and both diminishes and boosts itself simultaneously. This week was another draining fight for our passion, and we thank you for your help. You're more than welcome. And yes, you know what? You can feel free to send us that meme, either Facebook Messenger or post it to your wall and tag us, 
tag Atlas Alex uh, in the meme, and we will share it. We will post it on our page. So there's more than one way to um, there's more than one way to um, skin a cat, as the expression goes. Um, but yes, what you're saying there is is the ego is very clever and it's very subtle. And there are many, 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 many who fall into the trap of mystic pride. And they believe themselves to be spiritually advanced and they believe themselves to be awakened and enlightened and star seeds and God only knows what else they believe and it's all just ego. It's all just made up bullshit. Complete and total utter fabrication. Total fantasy, total uh, spiritual narcissism. And we must be aware of that. We must be aware that the ego will play that game with us mystic pride is a constant that anybody on the path deals with and lives with and radical humility radical humility is the only uh, way forward and by the way what azaziel was mentioned earlier uh the uh, uh to be triumphant over the position that you know the higher the lows the high energy low energy if you remain humble, if you remain humble and you realize this is just the law of the pendulum. When you're in, when you're down on your knees crawling through the dirt, but you're humble, you say, well, this is, this is, this seems about appropriate. I'm like a cockroach. I'm like, I'm like uh, the lowest of the low. I'm just this animal with all of my egos. I deserve to go crawling through the dirt for a while and learn suffering and learn humility. That's good. This is good for me. It's good. It's good. I'll just observe myself down here. I won't identify with it. I won't worry myself about it. I won't get stressed out about it. And then when you're on your highs and the highest of the highs, you have the same attitude. So this is temporary. This will pass. This is good. This is just, this is just the pendulum swinging the other way. It's like, I'm just on a ride, right? I'm not going to take any credit for any of this. Just keep, keep, stay humble, stay observant, and you will be triumphant. Oh, Jules gave us nice little praying hands and or a high five, depending on how you look at it. Well, thank you all for joining us today. And um, we hope that you found this to be uh, useful, beneficial, and that... Um, And if there's one takeaway from all of this, it's remember, none of us are ever handed more than we are able to handle. None of us are ever given a burden that is greater than our capacity to carry. And if we can remember that, then we can remain with this constant encouragement as we observe ourselves and remember our divine mother and observe ourselves in the valley of darkness observe ourselves with low energy or observe ourselves with high energy and remember that 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 it's okay we we can handle this we'll get through this 
just keep observing don't identify remember yourself ride if nothing else ride out the storm the highs and the lows the the, the peaks and the valleys and really do try to meditate on this right and you want to be here and let this swing away but your hand doesn't move your fingers don't move doesn't matter how much it swings that's the key that's the key thank you again for being here for joining us and uh have a wonderful week uh blessed week we hope to see you again next week as usual we'll make an announcement um or 24 hours before uh before the next live stream so you'll know what to expect thank you all have a nice evening have a good week we'll see you next week inverential peace